couple of weeks ago, I preached from Matthew 11, 28 to 30. If I can get it up on the screen. That's the one. Where Jesus makes this amazing invitation to relationship. Where he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As I explained, what Jesus is referring to in this passage is a farming technique of that time, of that day. Where when a farmer would buy a new ox to plough his field, what he would do is he'd buy it before the old ox got too old and he would yoke the young ox to the old ox. Do you remember that? And the idea is that the older ox would teach the younger ox how to plough, how to work the field. And it's a beautiful picture of, for us of what Jesus is inviting us to, that he's inviting us to yoke ourselves to his, himself, and that he wants us to learn from him. He wants us to, to, to be next to him and to walk in step with him. And the idea there is the fact that the older ox in reality knows what it's doing, knows where it's going, and the older ox is literally doing most of the work. Isn't that right? All the younger ox has to learn to do is to keep in time and pace with the older ox. The reality is the older ox shoulders most of the burden. And, as, as, and it's a great image for us to understand that when we yoke ourselves to Jesus, when we take his yoke upon us, his promise there is his yoke is easy and my burden is light. That he, he, he wants to give you the strength. He wants to carry your burdens. He wants to take the load from you. This imagery of the older ox and the younger ox, it's been something that's been mulling over in my mind for the last few weeks, even as I spoke about it. And then just the other week, Julie said to me, oh, I want you to speak at Discover in the next couple of weeks. And in Discover at the moment, they're doing the topic of the Holy Spirit. And she said to me, I want you to talk on walking in the Spirit. And I thought, oh, that's cool. I like that subject. Um, but as I was preparing, it's really interesting. I saw some really clear similarities between what Jesus is saying in this passage when he's asking us to take his yoke upon us and what Paul is explaining and encouraging the church in Galatia when it comes to walking in the Spirit. And so today I want to give you a brief introduction and if you want to know more, oh, there we go. If you want to know more, you can come Wednesday night and, uh, and discover a bit more and hopefully, you know, we get more people that come out than what Julie gets come out. Is that right? No, it's not that it's competition. Um, no, the, the idea is if you do want to know more, you can come Wednesday night, 7.30, and we'll go even deeper into this. But the passage where it talks about walking in the Spirit is Galatians 15, Galatians 15, Galatians 5, verse 16 to 26. And Paul says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. 
and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law now that idea of spirit and flesh this our spirit part is our part that relates to god our flesh is the part that is damaged by sin and causes us to to chase after things that are selfish and and to satisfy ourselves and paul goes on to say now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness idolatry sorcery hatred contentions jealousies outbirths of wrath selfish ambitions dissensions heresies envy murders drunkenness revelries and the like so it's talking about all those things when we live for ourselves when we live according to our flesh when we live selfishly these are the fruits of that selfish self-centered living and he said goes on to say of which i tell you beforehand just as i also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god but the fruit of the spirit the fruit of living for god is love joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such there is no law and those who are christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live in the spirit if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another and envying one another if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit this passage again shows us the battle that goes on in our christian walk that every day we face this battle will we walk in the spirit or will we walk according to our self-centeredness or our flesh the imagery imagery here in this passage is very clear it makes it very clear that we need to understand that who we walk with is what makes the difference will we yoke ourselves to Jesus and walk in the spirit or will we walk just to please ourselves The Bible continually describes our relationship with God as a walk. Colossians 2:6 says as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Micah 6:8 says he has shown you O mortal what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god Ephesians 5:2 says and walk in love Paul is talking to the church and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god See over and over again the Bible tells us to walk in relationship with god he says walk in love walk in light walk in the spirit these are the things that he's calling us to a walk with him now this is really interesting because in this day and age we don't walk a lot 
like they did back then. So for us in this travel easy society that we live in, when you talk about you know, your walk with God, it's like, oh, it becomes a little bit blasé, a little bit like Steve said, you take it a bit, oh yeah, my walk with God. But to these people back in Jesus' day, it was very significant. Because the reality is, they walked everywhere. They didn't have cars. They didn't have bicycles. Only the richest of the rich had horses. But most of them, the majority of them, walked everywhere they went. So when Jesus says, God wants to walk with you, I'm inviting you to yoke yourself to me and walk with me, they understood that it was more than just a, a saying. It was a lifestyle. It was a practice that he was calling them to. And also to the Jews, who you walked with was really important. You didn't just walk with anybody. You only walked with either people from your family or people that you had made a commitment to partner with and do life together with. You didn't walk with any stranger. Now, this is really interesting because Julie and I, three years ago now, we had our 25th wedding anniversary, and some of you wouldn't know this, but most of you would, but we decided to go to Europe to celebrate, and we, we're strange people. We decided to celebrate by doing a pilgrimage walk. It's called the Camino de Santiago, Santiago, um, it's the walk of St. James, the pilgrim of, pilgrimage of St. James. It starts in France and ends in Spain by the coast. And so we decided to do not all of it. All of it takes about six weeks. We decided to do 10 days of it. We didn't practice. We didn't get ready. We didn't prepare. We were very silly. Um, the first day is a walk up the Pyrenees, which is just mad. And uh, we literally got to one point, Julie and I walking together, and th we were actually walking through clouds because it was so high, and we were literally walking 10 paces at a time. It's like we're talking with a big pack on our back, and we're just saying, just, do, just count 10 steps and then have a rest. One, <laughs> two, three. Let's rest. Okay. Huh. Breather, breather. What should have taken us literally... That's what it was like. And what should have taken us... Most avid walkers, probably an hour and a half, two hours, took us about six hours. <coughs> it was that bad. But the one thing the Camino taught me, and I remember having this discussion with Julie on the walk, probably by about day eight or nine, it suddenly sunk in. But it was like, this is what Jesus lived like. That Jesus had to walk everywhere when he was here on earth. And he walked with his disciples. And the picture in my mind is that as they walked, they talked. They discussed and they learned from Jesus. They asked him questions and, and he revealed to him, revealed to his disciples things and they began to understand what it meant to be his disciple. And this is the, the idea of what Jesus is inviting us to and to walk in the spirit or to take his yoke upon us is that he's inviting us into a relationship with him. And this walk is something that is every day of our lives. It's a wholehearted, committed relationship with God. Church, it's not a hobby. It's not something that we do in our spare time. 
Jesus is inviting us to share life with him. We need to understand that we walk in the Spirit because God is with us everywhere we go. And so today I want to share with you just three very simple points of what it means to walk in the Spirit. And as you think of it, think of it also, that idea of being yoked to Jesus and walking with him where he leads and guides us. The first thing I want to share is that if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we need to accept his invitation. Walking in the Spirit is a choice. It's a choice to walk according to God's ways, not our ways. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, God's kingdom is what we describe as the upside-down kingdom. It's the opposite to everything that has ever um, bombarded us through our lifetime. Our culture, our society tells us to live for ourselves, to be independent, to, to strive for what we want, whereas the kingdom of God says, no, you live for God. You live God's ways. You live dependent on God. You rely on him. He is your source for everything. Live as he calls you to live, selflessly, not selfishly, as the world tells us. And so the thing we need to understand that it's really important that we understand that this is not just going to happen. We actually have to choose. We actually have to accept his invitation. When Jesus says, come to me, and when Paul says, walk in the Spirit, it's really interesting. He says it this way in Galatians 5.25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You can see there that the responsibility is ours to walk in the Spirit. Sometimes people think walking in the Spirit is some spooky, mystical thing where God just leads you and guides you wherever you go and you just float along on a cloud. It's a bit like Aladdin and the magic carpet comes and it picks you up and God just takes you wherever you go and you have no control over it. Rubbish. It's not the way it works. God gave us free will. He gave us a choice. And so the idea here is that we choose to come under God's yoke. We choose to walk in the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit. This scripture says, if we live in the Spirit. So when we accept Jesus into our lives, when we ask him and commit our lives to him, he gives us everything we need to live in him. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us righteousness. He gives us eternal life. He gives us all these things, sanctification, all these things. He gives us. He invites us into his family. So if we live in the Spirit, which we are when we become Christians, we live in the Spirit, then God's provided all of that. As Steve said, God's provided all of those things, everything we need. But now the responsibility of us is let us now walk in the Spirit. One translation actually says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Remember the younger ox and the older ox? What's the younger ox's job to do? Just keep in step with the older ox. The older ox will do most of the work, but you just keep in step. So it's really important for us to understand this, but you also need to remember as well that this concept is, is not an idea. Some of us struggle with it because we don't like 
being dependent on something. We, don't, we like to be independent. We're so trained to be independent that we think, oh, I don't want God controlling my life. And I don't want to... The picture you're giving me, Ben, is a little bit like I'm a robot and I just can't pick and choose what to do. i just got to do what God is telling me. And, and the, the thing that you have to remember is that it is a relationship. So you do have a choice... But the choice, very simply, and I'm going to talk about this more in weeks to come, the choice that we have is to actually trust God. That's our choice, that we would trust him to take us where we need to go. Remember I said a few weeks ago that we know who we are when we know who God is. I heard this week someone say this profound statement, is that God is trustworthy. God is the most trustworthy. There is nothing that can be trusted in our world more than God. His word declares that. So if he is the most trustworthy, then it makes sense that our responsibility is to put our trust in him because he can be trusted. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the doctor to do my annual checkup. And uh, every year I go and uh, takes bloods. It's good. Once I turned 50, I started doing that. Uh, so he took my bloods and I went back to get the results. And he, he said, oh, I went, went through all the list and, oh, yeah, that's all good. That's all good. My cholesterol's a little bit high, but not too bad. And so we sat, and then he goes, oh, I should weigh you. Okay, okay, no worries. <laughs> so I got on the scales, and he weighed me, and he's like, oh, 105 kilos. Okay, come back, sit down. And then he's looking on his computer, and he goes, oh, last time I weighed you 12 months ago, you were only 99 kilos. <laughs> You've put on six kilos in the last 12 months. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> and he's like, I hadn't noticed. Uh, I said, oh, that's COVID kilos, COVID, <laughs> COVID kilos. Uh, and he's like, well, he, this was his statement to me. He goes, well, you are reasonably healthy. You know, everything's come back good. But if you want to stay healthy, you need to lose some weight because you're not getting any younger and so you need to lose some weight. And so right there, there's a... When I was thinking about it, there's a picture of us and God, is that God's done everything for us. He's made us healthy. He's made us whole. He's made us right with him. He's given us relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and so we have, because of everything God's done, we have relationship with him. But to stay healthy in that relationship, we have to pay it attention. Just like if I want to stay healthy, I'm going to have to change my diet a little bit. And I'm going to maybe add a bit more exercise into my day and, and hopefully start to lose some weight. But the, the reality is I'm healthy, but if I want to stay healthy, I need to make some choices. You're a Christian in this place. God's done everything you need, but to remain healthy in your relationship with God, you need to choose to walk in the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit. You need to continually accept his invitation. 
Number two, we need to realize that walking is the aim. So often when we go for a walk, we have a goal in place, don't we? We walk for a purpose. Isn't that right? When I was a kid, my mum would, there's a deli around the corner, street corner, back street corner deli. She'd go, oh, we're out of milk, we're out of bread. Benny, go and buy. That's what she used to call me, Benny. Benny, go and buy some milk and bread. So I'd walk around the corner to the corner deli, grab some milk and bread and walk home. A couple of minute walk, not very far. But I had a purpose in mind. And often most of us think, well, if I'm walking with God, then there must be a purpose. You know, one of the purposes, eternal life. Or the purpose is what God's called me to do, my ministry, my, my calling, my this or that. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that who we walk with is what matters most. Who we walk with is what is really important. See, I grew up in a church where we were all about the purpose. The purpose is what matters most. The purpose, like, you know, you've got to get a, they used to say to us, you've got to get a vision for your life. What's God called you to do for him? Because that's the most important thing. Well, that's what it seemed like. And they forget. And they'd quote that scripture in Proverbs 29, 18. You've all probably heard it, probably heard it preached. That, Without vision, the people perish. Isn't that right? Well, I've looked into that scripture and I want to read it for, for you from Proverbs because I think they got it out of context. It's surprising, but it might be the case. Proverbs 29, 18 in the Amplified Bible says it this way. Where there is no vision, or in other words, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish not where there is no vision where there you don't have a purpose for your life and all of that no it's not that it's where there is no relationship with God where there is no revelation of God in your life not just revelation but a redemptive revelation that you would know that God has done everything to give you relationship with him the redemptive revelation is that Jesus came and died on a cross and rose again so that we can have life what is that life? That life is relationship with God. That we would know Him and that we would then in that knowing Him, then out of that, the fruit of our life is the knowing, not what we do for God. Does that make sense? I love the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. When people do not accept divine guidance, Galatians 5, when you live by the flesh, when you're not listening to God but you're doing things your own way, what do you do? You run wild. Isn't that right? Adultery, fornication, all of that stuff. It's very clear that the aim, we need to understand that the, the aim is to walk with God. The aim is to have relationship with God. From that, then God begins to show us what he would want us to do for him. But that is the fruit of the walking. That is, the, the walking is the purpose. John 17, 3 says it very clearly. This is eternal life. Not that we live forever. No, this is eternal life, that we know him. 
that we know the Father and him who he sent, Jesus Christ. God wanting to call us into a relationship with him. That's God's vision for our life, that we would know him and that we would walk in relationship with him. The aim is the walk. The ministry comes second. And let me be honest with you, I spent numbers of years in my life making ministry my God because I trusted in ministry more than I trusted in God. And I had to learn. And when we started this church, one of the things I remember so clearly, God speaking to me when we were just before we are about to start and we were up on the Gold Coast on holidays and I was praying one morning and I was saying to God, this isn't fair, I've lost everything that you had. I've lost my ministry, I've lost all of that stuff. And God's saying to me so clearly, am I not enough? And in that moment, I understood that I had made ministry my idol, my God. It had become everything to me more than even God itself. But God, church, we need to understand God wants to have relationship with us. That's what he's called us to. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that we could have relationship with him. The last thing that I'll share for today is that we need to give it our full attention. Amos 3.3, oops, what's up there? It says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? This is a really cool passage because what it is literally saying is that in the original languages it's saying that two people are walking together as a single unit, as if they were one. So the imagery there is the idea of two people rowing a boat. If you want to effectively row a boat, you need to get in time and rhythm together. Isn't that right? Set the pace. Or the other classic idea or picture is the three-legged race. That you put two people tied to one leg and, and you're walking. And if you're not working together, one's fallen over and the other... Anyone done that? People that are smart, not me, but other people that I've seen do it properly... They, they, one of them says, I'll, I'll pace it and you just keep in time with me. And so they'll go like the old army marching, one, two, one, two, one, two. And so one will call the pace. Who's that? God calls the pace and the other one follows and keeps pace with the one who calls it. When you start doing that, when you start keeping time and rhythm with God, this is what we call walking in the Spirit. When everything, when it gets our full attention, that walking with God is everything that we focus on and so we give it our full attention and when we start to get in rhythm and time with God and we're spending time with Him daily and we're walking with Him and we're hearing from Him, we're reading the Word and it's getting into us and it's speaking to us and we're applying it to our lives, that's walking in the Spirit. And when, literally, if you have a person a single person in a rowboat against two people in a rowboat, the two people, if they get their act together and get it working properly, will easily beat the single person in a rowboat. That there's a synergy there and a power. And this is the idea of what it means to walk in the Spirit. That we get in harmony with God. 
that we get so close to God that we're in harmony with him and we're moving together. And this is, this is what a, when our relationship with God starts to become like that, what we begin to find is that the desires of the flesh start to drop in our lives because we're so focused on God. Our, our attention is so placed on him. So our, our desires drop and the Bible says, and those who walk in the Spirit shall produce the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of those things start to come out of you. And Jesus describes it this way in John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. A branch cannot produce fruit unless it's connected to the vine. And that word is actually that abide. I am the vine. We need to abide in the vine. That word is actually communion or, or harmony. That idea of, of connected and, and oneness together. That the two people walking as a single unit as if they were one. I remember um, listening to a message from Bob Mumford years ago, and I've told this story numbers of times here in the church, but it just speaks so clearly about this concept of, of paying our full attention and giving it our all. Is that Bob Mumford was pastoring a church, and there was a young Christian there that he saw one Sunday at church, and he looked a bit troubled. So as a good pastor, he went up to him and started having a chat, and he said, how are you doing? Are you okay? And he goes, I'm all right, but I feel like I've got two dogs inside of me. Two dogs that are at war with one another. I've got my, my Christian dog who wants to do things right for God and, and, and wants to live for God. But then I have my old dog, my, my worldly dog, my fleshly dog, and it wants me to go back to some of the old ways of living and the, the stuff that wouldn't please God. And they're at war with one another. And Bob Mumford's standing there and he's thinking, I could explain to him what that is from Galatians 5. I could bring it his attention and give him some teaching. But he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, don't, don't teach him right now. Ask him a question. And he said, so Bob Mumford said to him, so which one is winning? And the, the young man he said you could almost see the light come on over his mind as the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And he said to Bob Mumford, the one that I feed, the one that I feed is the one that wins. So when we feed our spirit, when we feed it with God's word, when we feed it with gathering together and encouraging one another, when we feed it with worship, when we feed it with acting and doing what God has called us to do, it strengthens our spirit. We pay attention to it and before we know it, our spirit is strong enough to overcome any of those battles of the flesh. That we stand strong and know that who we are in God. And we can stand and when we're so full of God and so full of his spirit and so committed to our relationship with him that all that other stuff just begins to fall away. So my question to you today as we come to a close is are we walking in the spirit or are we walking in the flesh? The truth is the only way we know and I'm not here to judge but we know from our own self-evaluation 
the way we know it is the fruits that we see in our life. That's the only way we can know. Maybe there's people here today that you find yourself going around in circles. The same old issues keep coming back. And then you seem to get a little bit better and then they keep coming back. Can I say this? Maybe, just maybe, that's because you're trying to do it in your own strength rather than walking in the Spirit. Don't be disheartened because it happens to all of us. We all get distracted. We all get tripped up by stuff. That's what life does. But you need to understand that Jesus is standing here and he's saying, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know why Jesus can say that? He can say that because he knows exactly how it feels to be tempted. The Bible said he was human just like us and that he was tempted in every way just like us without sin. So he knows what you're going through. He knows the struggles and his response is exactly the same every time. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, who are battered by life, who are struggling with stuff, who are tired and weary. He's waiting here with his outstretched hand. The great thing with Jesus is you don't have to go back to the starting point. Just like when you learn to ride a bike, if you fall off, what do you do? You get back on the bike and you keep pedaling. You don't go back to where you started and think, okay, now I hop on. No, you get back on right where you're at. And that's the great thing is that Jesus is standing here today and he's saying, I'm here and my invitation is the same. Get back on the bike and keep going. Don't give up. Help, I'm here to help you. Take my yoke upon you. Walk in my spirit and we'll get through this together. Because what did I say before? It's not about where you're going. It's about who you're walking with. And when we're walking with him, he'll bring us through. When we're focused on him, he will bring us through. So today we all have a choice. Will we accept Jesus' invitation to walk in the Spirit, to take his yoke upon us and walk with him? Why don't we bow our heads in prayer? Just as you reflect on what we've talked about, maybe there's some people here that you say, you know, I've got distracted. I've been trying to do it in my own strength. And what you've talked about today is I need to get my eyes back on Jesus. I need to get my focus right. I need to accept his invitation. I would love to pray with anyone who feels like that today, not to make... Um, make you stand out from the crowd or anything like that but purely because we're in this together we're all in this together and all of us have been in that place all of us have been in a place where we've gotten tired and weary and are just going through issues 
we all know what it feels like and that's what the great thing is about the body of Christ is we can stand together and believe with one another. So I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a bit challenging and a bit tough but you've got to start somewhere. And so if you've been struggling and you've been finding it hard, you've lost your focus and, and you, you feel weary and tired and you just need to get recalibrated and refocused on God, I want to I ask you to have the courage just to stand wherever you are so we can pray with you. While well, every head's bowed. That's good. That's good. Any, you're not alone. There's plenty of people like that in this place. If there's anyone else, if it's not too late, if you say, I, I need to get my focus back on Jesus and off my stuff, that's good. I'll give you a moment. I don't want to move too quickly because I just think it's really important. This is a significant moment right now for people's lives. So if that's you, just have the courage, be brave and stand wherever you are. I just want people to be sensitive and have a look around and just go stand with someone and begin to pray. We're going to just pray for God to do what he, what only he can do. There's no shame in it. We all get distracted. We all get distracted, everyone. That's why the Bible tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles. It's the same for all of us. Oh, God. Thank you, God. Lord, I just pray for every person in this place. I pray especially for those who are standing. God, that you would come and give fresh understanding, fresh revelation, Lord God, that they would know that you love them that you do not judge them, you did not come into this world to judge or have an accusing, pointing figure. You came to rescue. You came to save that which was lost. And I just pray that right now they would experience the embrace of the Father, just like the prodigal son was embraced and re-established. God, I just pray right now that it doesn't matter whatever has happened or whatever is going on. Lord God, you are there for them. And your invitation is the same. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will bring and give you rest. Lord God, I pray for rest right now, that the striving would stop, the struggling would stop, and they would rest under your yoke, that they would just focus on the what, is, what matters most, and that means walking with you, focusing on you, getting to know you, drawing close to you, that they would come into a season, a new season of knowing you like they have never known you before. Lord God, open their spiritual eyes and open their spiritual ears to hear and see everything that you're doing right now, that you have great things in store for them, that you have amazing things, Lord God, 
that it's not too late. We come against that lie of the enemy that will say it's too late. I've gone too far. I've, I've failed too many times. I come against that right now in Jesus' name and declare that they are children of God, that they are adopted into your family and they are loved and valued and they are called for such a time as this, Lord God, that you haven't given up, you've never finished with them and that there is still more to come. We declare that right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. God bless.